Welcome to the Billboard Podcast, a safe space where personal growth meets self-love and spirituality. In here, we hold conscious and sometimes controversial conversations between open-minded souls as we believe in the power of sharing wisdom while remaining a curious student of life. I'm your host, Antoine Billboard, conscious content creator, spiritual influencer, and trauma-informed breathwork facilitator. In these episodes, I will open up about my own healing journey and how we can all contribute to the creation of a better world by raising human consciousness. Let's awaken the matrix within the matrix. For today's episode, you guys are up for a treat. I have for you a super special guest. His name is Timothy Stutz. He's a German author. He writes books for children. He's a master at several healing modalities just like yoga, Reiki, Tai Chi. He's the founder of Transformation, a coaching program where they take people through transformations, literally, helping them reconnecting to their true nature and find source within themselves, find this flame, find this life force energy that's within all of us. I'm really excited for you guys to meet Timothy because he's a charm, he's a joy, he is, he just has this natural enthusiasm and you can tell that he's happy to be alive and that he cares about what he does. So this is going to be a very powerful conversation about around creativity, joy, and staying young. And before we dive into today's joyful conversation, I would like to introduce you to today's video sponsor, Othership. Othership is a breathwork app that you can download on your phone to experience the magic of breathwork from anywhere, anytime. Othership offers tracks for relaxation, deep emotional release, trauma release, trippy stuff, things to blast off your nervous system feels really good. And really, it has tracks for morning to wind down at night. It has weekly tracks. It has literally everything you need to start to have a breathwork practice. And let me tell you, I'm a breathwork facilitator. Breathwork is a must have in my morning routine. It really helps me feel better about myself. It helps me get more focused, get more done without burning out and exhausting myself. Because breathwork is teaching me how to respect my body and my own physical boundaries with myself. I can now recognize when I'm feeling depleted, so I will now rest instead of overworking and ending up being less productive. So breathwork is great for creativity, relaxation, productivity. You get the deal. And if you want to have other ship on your phone, you can just click the link in the show notes. It's going to lead you straight to the app store. And now without further ado, let's bring back some childlike curiosity and enthusiasm into today's conversation with Timothy. Timothy Stutz, everybody. You have worn several hats and held several titles. You are the author and the creator of the Magical Books series. You have mastered several ancient arts and healing modalities that I'm sure you're still using in your practice today. You're the founder and executive director of a center or a program called Transformations, a holistic coaching program in my understanding that is nonprofit also. So working on transforming lives, it is a truly, truly beautiful endeavor of yours. Thank you, Antoine. You're so welcome. You are so welcome. I would like to allow you to introduce yourself. You want to introduce yourself and kind of take us maybe on a little journey of your story. What brought you to today, this moment, doing what you do? Was this a, was it a 180 degree moment, like a rock bottom moment? Or was it a gradual steady slope leading to this moment? Ah, depends on how far back we want to go. <laughs> we can have the ele uh, elevator pitch story, yeah. or you can go as deep as you want. 
I did have a rock bottom moment. Um, and it was in my early 30s. And I literally laid in bed crying for three days and didn't eat, didn't drink. And it was literally my life had fallen apart. You know, I had done everything since I was a kid that I was told to do or thought I should be doing. And, you know, got good grades in school and kept my nose clean and got, got married, graduated from college with honors, had a job with an international CPA firm, um, had a beautiful daughter, and all of that just fell apart. So I laid in bed crying for three days at one point. And at the end of the three days, I basically yelled out to God and said, you know, I've been praying. Now I lay me down to sleep ever since my mother taught me how to pray. And <laughs> if you exist, I need to find you. And shortly after that, I got up out of bed and looked in the mirror at a body that was much thinner than the three days prior <laughs> and really felt Christ behind me saying, I will remake you in my image. Shortly after that, I remembered a business client that I was at the previous year in Hawaii. When I left, she whispered in my ear, she says, if you ever need a couch to stay on, just give me a call and you've got it. And so I called her up and asked her for the couch. And she said, well, I don't have a couch anymore, but I bought a house so you can have your own bedroom, which was really cool. So I headed to Hawaii really quickly. And when I got there, you know, she gave me a book the first night and said, while I'm at work tomorrow, why don't you read this? And it was Dick Sutphin's Past Lives, Future Loves. And I had never done any exploration on meditation, past lives, anything like that. And I started reading that book in the backyard the next day and tears just started streaming from my eyes several times. And it was like reading things that my young daughter had kind of tried to tell me in different ways and had already <laughs> awoken within me. So, you know, it's it, the wake up process kind of started before those three days in bed. I remember when my when my daughter was born and they separated her from her mom, she was laying there on the table and there was this red, golden, orange energy and light just flowing out of her body up through the ceiling. And I had never seen anything like that before. And I said to myself something more profound than the birth of my daughter's taking place. And when she was about two and a half years old, she was riding in the backseat of the car with us. And she started describing where we were going. And my conscious mind said, she's never been here before. <laughs> you know, it's like, what's going on here? And so I literally just started racking my memory banks to see when the last time I was there. And her mom and I were there when she was in the womb. So that started me just thinking about when are we conscious and some essays I had written back in college and high school on kind of that subject. So you always had this sort of interest and curiosity in regards of consciousness. Yeah, it's, it's always been there in a way, but again, I never went searching. And nine months before that incidence of laying in bed, I took a pain pill one night and had some Valium for a minor operation. And after I went to sleep, I had this dream of driving around a mountain curve and there was a passenger with me. And I remember saying, as we went around this one curve, I can't control it any longer. And the next thing I know, my eyes are wide open, looking up at the ceiling and there's like an old fashioned movie playing with light coming out of my eyes, going up to the ceiling. And I'm watching them carry our bodies away because the car had crashed. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> what are we describing here? <laughs> 
<laughs> so I have no idea. Yeah, so we have beams of energies, orange, yellow, and then a shore of lights upon waking up in your bed. We're up for an energetic journey today. Oh, yeah, we're up for an energetic journey. <laughs> Period, everyone. <laughs> and um, anyway, I, I just thought that was very sufficiently weird and something I'd never experienced before. I closed my eyes, went back to sleep, took a pain pill the next night before going to bed and had another dream right after falling asleep and opened my eyes again. And this time coming out the wall across from me was this bearded man with an orange cap and some orange shirt on. And he just kept coming in and out of the wall towards me. <laughs> I, all I did was close my eyes and said, I'm a certified public accountant. This doesn't make sense. And I didn't take any more pain pills. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Enough with those hallucinations. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's like my daughter and God kind of was awakening me slowly but surely. And then after that trip to Hawaii, I really just couldn't read enough books and get enough information about meditation and things like that. And at the same time, I was putting together a, a seminar for accountants and mortgage bankers and attorneys. And I worked real hard to put that together. And at the end of this week-long seminar, the last two nights, the last two days, I did not sleep at all. And the night after it was over, totally crashed, to totally burned out from not sleeping for 48 hours. I laid down and and literally left my body. I mean, I was out of my body. The person that was with me knew that I was out of my body and that my body was kind of dead. And watching that take place, I immediately got back into my body, not knowing how I got out, just knowing that I wanted back in and immediately picked up the phone and called a psychologist friend that I had seen every once in a while that helped <laughs> what's going on. And she said, this is like about 10 o'clock at night. And she said, well, I'll get up and ask Baba what to do. And all the time that I knew her, I've never heard of her mention a Baba or anything and she calls me back in 15 minutes and says well Baba says to eat something sweet and calm the energy down and go back to sleep and I, I still had to drive to the airport that night over an hour each way and memories of that auto accident sort of flashed in my mind and I wasn't real keen on getting in a car and driving any anywhere and then uh, the psychologist called me the next morning at some ungodly hour at five o'clock in the morning or something and wow. said do you want to go <laughs> chant with me and I said what is chanting and she basically described chanting and I said no I don't sing in the shower I don't sing for myself and I'm definitely not singing in public <laughs> but she agreed to meet me afterwards for breakfast and we had a little talk and she had brought a book by Ram Dass and she brought the information for an astrologer and for a yoga teacher so I made an appointment with the astrologer I made an appointment with the yoga teacher and gotten a yoga class <laughs> <laughs> and you became one and I did. I, mm. I, I loved it so much and was looking for a new way of being in the world when the CPA gig kind of fell apart. Yeah. And the, the meeting with the astrologer, I'd, I'd never even heard of astrology at that point in my life. And he tuned into the fact that I'm a risk taker and said, you never drive a fast motorcycle. You never, ever fly an airplane and you never <laughs> drive a fast boat. <laughs> and at the, at the end of the at first meeting with him, you know, he, uh, he said, as you go to sleep tonight, I want you to visualize all these particles of white light filling your body. And he looked and he was looking in my eyes and he said, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? I said, nope. <laughs> Quite frankly, no. 
now? <laughs> he says, well, have you watched Star Trek? And I said, yep. He says, well, you know, when they beam people up, just visualize that going into your body and wrap it around your body and just imagine you're in a cocoon of light as you go to sleep. And I did that every night for 10 nights and found myself being carried into the past, being carried into dimensions where I could see the future. And that, that was all very interesting to me. And, and yeah, yeah. Well, it, it sounds really interesting to me too. Yeah. So that, that all these things were kind of getting me hooked. You know, it's like the yoga class, the yoga teacher followed the same spiritual practice as the psychologist, which is city yoga. And so after three months of listening to Om Namah Shivaya at the end of every yoga class and feeling the vibrations of the teacher, I called up my psychologist and said, I'll go do that chant with you. And so we went and did that chant one Saturday morning, and I ended up walking into this converted garage with beautiful thick carpeting and incense burning, which I'd never smelt before, and men sitting on one side of the room and women on the other, which very strange to me, and people bowing to a chair with a picture in it, <laughs> and, being, and being handed a book with um, Sanskrit writing in it, and it was an hour and a half long chant and the first part's like 45 minutes and you're supposed to read it from this book. And the ending of some words was actually the beginning of the next word. And I really couldn't figure it out. But at the end of the chant, my body was vibrating so fast that I started to levitate and I just dug my fingers into this thick carpet and held on. No way. Wow. Yeah, truly. And left that meeting and looked at my psychologist friend and said, I feel like I'm a kindergartner who just participated in a 12th grade class. <laughs> and I mean, that's what life is about. That's what life should feel like. Always like this state of awe and this enthusiasm and this childlike joy in each and every moment, which is what I wanted to touch on today, because this is something you've heard in the episode with Abigail about authenticity, I went through bullying in high school. And that really led to me closing and shutting down and blocking the expression of who I truly am inside source or life force energy, then I had to go through this reawakening of rediscovering myself and going back to myself, despite all of the voices that I heard as a child and you know, really finding truth in all of that and letting go of what doesn't serve me and what isn't of me. I feel like this is what a lot of people go through. We lose this spark. We lose this joy. We lose this curiosity. We're not curious anymore. We just fall into a nine or five and call. We live the same week over and over and call it a life. Exactly. And I went through the same thing you did, only I, I didn't wait till high school to do it. I, I waited. <laughs> I did it at five years old or four and a half when I was in military school. We had Bible class and I was in the choir and we sang Swing Low, Sweet Chariot all the time and Jesus Loves Me. And I always felt so comforted singing Jesus Loves Me. And every time I sang Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, I actually saw angels and chariots descending from the heavens. And so I shared that with my school buddies on the playground one day and realized shortly after that, between that and my home life, that it was no longer safe to be me. So I shut down too. And 30 or 25 years later, that just started to awaken. So I'm glad your awakening process has been much shorter. <laughs> and you can share all these, all these beautiful awarenesses and wisdom and experiences that you're having at such a young age. 
Yes, I truly feel grateful to have a platform, an audience, and even a way to share everything I'm going through. And I do believe there is a natural process, this societal awakening. It does, it's not age related or there's an impact. The more experiences someone has, they're going to have more understanding of the world and wisdom. But also, I feel like you, for example, you've done some work in your a lifetime and your own awakening has an impact on the awakening of the collect. Maybe I would not have been able to reach the level of awakening that I was able to find if people before me did not pave the way. And now I get to be a shepherd, a not a pioneer, but just I get to hold a torch and share this message because that's something that gets lost in translation, which is why I really admire your work of writing stories because that's how knowledge gets passed from generations to generations because here's a thing and it's part of the brain it's a condition of the human we forget forgetting is one of the human's conditions or that's something our brain does or we lose this recall capacity we get so caught up in the illusion in the society and the, in the day-to-day -day and the hustle that we forget our origins where we come from which is why folklore is so important and cultures and i'm first nation from canada uh, i'm native from the country and i remember from a very young age being racist against my own community but i didn't have words or concepts to explain what i was going through but the conditioning of the society was so efficient in a way that it worked on me <laughs> it worked on me it is efficient <laughs> it is efficient it worked on me i was rejecting this part of myself that my origins and if we look at my ancestors and just my grandparents they have so many stories they have all of these stories about spirits and nature and the forest how it's nurturing how it's loving and gaia and all of that yeah, story storytelling has been used since the beginning of time to pass down wisdom and to share knowledge and share secrets mm -hmm. about nature and what works and what doesn't work. And sometimes, you know, it's like I, I thank all the ancestors that took a risk to eat a certain berry or something and find out if it was OK yeah. for us or what it did for <laughs> us. <laughs> if we were going to die or get sick from it or if it was going to be, wow, this is mm -hmm. pretty cool. No, absolutely. And this is yeah. one of the things in this 3d physical world we had to start by understanding it finding out what's safe and what's not what's edible what's not and also which is a paradox but like the universe or the world is of source of love of god but it's also dangerous which is where it comes in non-duality or polarity nothing's good or bad everything just is and it's about figuring out what's good for us and I think that we forgot a lot of what is good for us because the human body has this capacity of healing itself if we just allow it to. If we allow source to do its thing instead of holding on our ego identities. And this is something I think can be done for future generations, especially children, because they have, I think it's from zero to seven, their brain is so, they're under hypnosis. And this is why the conditioning is so efficient, the conditioning I was talking about earlier. This is why we operate or generations around this day and age operate in this way, because we were conditioned. But why, what if we condition future generations to operate in a different way, in a better way, maybe through stories? Exactly. Right? Uh-huh. Yes. And, and this... that's, that's the 
that's the basis of all the stories that I tell. It's literally, they carry a vibration, they carry information, they carry values and myth and mystery and heroes and heroines and all built into educational, entertaining, fun platform where children want to just listen and they learn within the listening. Yeah, so I'm curious to know what, like, of course, the way to rewire an adult's brain through personal development is not the same process as educating a child with fresh things and creating a base for their future development. So what it looks like for you, Timothy, in your art, in your work, in your stories, how do you bring those concepts or what concepts do you bring under what form? Well, they actually do rewire adults too. It's like, as I, you know, write, writing these stories has turned out to be a rewiring of me in many ways. So, you know, there, there's times where I can sit down and write five or six stories in a very short period of time. And then there's years where I go with nothing. And it's in those years that I'm developing deeper so that the stories that come out afterwards carry something even deeper than what the previous stories did. And I, I never set out to write a children's story. Um, that was never a goal in my life. You know, for, from being a CPA and doing those seminars, I woke up one morning and first thing out of my mouth when I looked at my partner was, I said, if Hershey's can make chocolate kisses, I can make chocolate French kisses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is being an adult anyway? So it makes sense that your books are for anyone. We're just grown up children pre pretending that all we have to do for the rest of your life is thinking about what we're going to have for dinner. But there's this imagination our brain has, this faculty of creating a future for ourselves. We are creators. Our imagination is boundless. In fact, our own nature is boundless. So how can I, how can every aspect of my life be a reflection of that? And what a beautiful thing to teach children that, these faculties, these abilities that they can choose, they can create, they can express themselves, they can love, they can shine. The, the books I create develop children's imaginations in ways that no other books do. And I want to just go back a minute to getting into children's books. I followed my heart and opened up a chocolate shop. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> okay. And God actually conspired for me to have to open a chocolate shop because I was going to farm all of this out. I had this wonderful idea. I found people who were going to make the chocolate for me. And then they thought, wow, this is pretty good. And it might be really profitable. So they tripled the price they were going to charge me to produce these chocolates. So I ended up having to open up my own chocolate shop and learn how to make chocolate. It was in that chocolate shop that I had a box of bears delivered to me one day that I never ordered, opened up that box and was surprised to find 50 little teddy bears staring at me. And being a CPA and investigative nature, I loved Hardy Boy books when I was a child and mysteries and finding clues. And that's what auditors do too. So I, I discovered who owned, who, who those bears really belonged to. And they were, they had been smuggled into the country. And the middleman for these people, he decided to smuggle in some of their own stuff or some, some of their stuff for him. And I don't know how it got to me, but it did. And I carried one of those little bears <laughs> in my car with me and picked it up at a stop sign one day and said, who are you? And this little bear said, I'm poet bear. That made sense to me because I wrote love poetry. I wrote philosophical poetry. So I packaged a little book of my poetry with this little bear in a box, set it on, a, on the counter, counter of the candy shop to sell. And my mom looked at it and she said, you missed your calling. That should have been a children's book packaged with a bear. And I said, look at my writing, mom. It is not for children. 
but her words somehow planted a seed or triggered something deep within me. And six months later, the first children's story just popped into my head. And once that happened, they haven't stopped since. Would you care about sharing a part of your work, a, a portion of your book, a paragraph? Um, if you feel called to. Yeah, we can. Uh, I've written 86 stories. So what I'm going to do, I've been, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, whoops, there's. For those watching on YouTube, you can see Bliss Berry Bears, Fairy Tales of the Heart. Hmm. Yeah, and there's there's 15 of the stories in this book, and I'll just open to a page and see what we get. Which here. number is it? Uh, which page? Yes, it's on page 62, and this story is about Power Animal Pals. P P P P A P. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and and the story actually originates from the the oldest form of exercise that we know of was called animal frolicking and it originated back around a hundred years after christ and it was a chinese a chinese doctor okay because of being out in nature and watching how animals move created these five different movements where you would imitate a, a crane and a monkey and a bear and a deer and a tiger. And I learned that practice and it's it's one of the most fun practices there is the body in ways that more than swimming actually. It moves the- Oh, really? Yeah, it actually moves the body in more ways than swimming does. And children love imitating animals. Yes. <laughs> and the character Poet Bear turned into Bliss Berry Bear. I went to the original maker of Disney's costumes and he made me a Blissberry Bear costume. For humans to wear? For me to wear. Wow. Because I, my, my idea was to get in this costume and walk into hospitals and things and just being in that costume, vibrating energy out to the kids and everybody in that hospital. Without them even knowing what was going on, they just saw a friendly bear. And I mean, if you could levitate without knowing what was going on, God knows what you can do <laughs> to children with a teddy bear costume. <laughs> oh, no kidding. And he had a, I, I left his office one day as I was leaving and I saw a deer costume sitting on the back of a door. And so I asked him about this deer costume and I said, do you have a head to go with that? And he said, yes. And I said, can I borrow it? Because, okay, so I had a bear, a deer is another one of the five animals. At that point, he sold me the costume. Then I had five other costumes made. I, I also added a dragon and a gorilla into this sequence and created the power animal frolics for kids where I get in these costumes and do Qigong movements and the power animal movements and children can follow along. This is so, so much fun. It's it's entertaining so <laughs> it's cultural it's educative it's for children by children i love it i really love it uh, so anyway at this page it says tai chi is all about balance tai chi tigers are all about balance we know how to be active when we need to be active and quietly still when we need to reach our bodies and minds and talk about active. Here's my power animal pal, Chi Chi Chimp, to share more secrets and powers that can help you achieve your dreams. What's happening, kids? Chi Chi Chimp here. I'm very honored to meet you all. I'm filled with so much joy to share my powers of playfulness, joy, 
alertness, athleticism, and creativity with you. When you pretend to swing through the trees and leap across the jungle with me, you'll be so full of playfulness, joy, creativity, and mindfulness. There will be no place for anger to hide in you. Becoming a chi-chi chimp will help you become agile, quick, and nimble. Your blood will flow freely through your entire body. Your joints will be strong and flexible. Your eyes will be sharp and your ears alert. Your curiosity will be your springboard to success. Your free will will be the key that unlocks the door to your future. You'll never feel confined or restricted. And I hope you learn to love eating fruit as much as I do. There's nothing like a sweet, juicy piece of fruit to tantalize your taste buds, cool your mind, and give you an oh-so-happy tummy. And speaking of oh-so-happy tummies, my power animal pal, Thunderilla, the Qigong gorilla, loves to eat fruit and leaves just like I do. So. Uh, Timothy, I'm getting emotional because... This is the type of books I would have loved reading as a child or read to my little nieces because it is visualization. It stimulates imagination. This is something I firmly believe in and my audience and the listeners and the law of attraction that we can create with our mind that where focus goes, energy flows and what whatever signal we send to the universe, we're going to receive more of that. So to and children don't need to know these concepts of this signal or whatever, like we're adults, we can understand things like that. But to putting the seeds in their brains and starting to move the wheels towards, okay, let's give them good ideas. Like I got, I have good eyesight. I have good digestions. Fruits are good for me. I'm creative. Creativity is not something I should hide or conceal. It's something I should celebrate and nurture and foster. And ah, oh, this is, yes, I'm going to buy this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> You know, it's like all my out of all the books, I only have one book that is fully illustrated. It's called The Ballad of the Bees. And I intentionally do not illustrate the insides of the books. I have a beautiful illustrator who makes beautiful covers pictures for the book, but I want the children to get their own pictures of what's happening as they listen to the story, rather than looking at a drawing some adult did based upon what the adult thinks is on the page, because everybody sees differently and feels differently as they listen. So by the children not seeing a picture, they get to create their own images and they can, that can also create a bonding experience with their parent who's reading them or whoever's reading the story to them because they can interact. They can ask questions and say, what did you see on that page? What did you feel? And Joseph Chilton Pierce, who was one of the foremost experts on human development, he wrote Magical Parent, Magical Child, and Crack in the Cosmic Egg, several other wonderful books on child development. He said that um, imagining imagery and creating visual images inside ourselves is one of the highest achievements of a human being. And that if we don't learn how to create those internal images as a child, then we really don't have the building blocks for a future success. So knowing that, that's why I don't put pictures in there. So it's a very intentional choice. I like that because I feel like so much of our imagination is put externally, is sucked out. Those colorful plasticky toys that makes lights and 
you know, the child is just hypnotized by whatever is happening externally all the time. So to really flex that muscles within children, I think it's going to be a, it's a beautiful gift that you're giving them a beautiful training. And of course, there's a lot of studies and science in the children, in the brain in general, and how we are built as humans. So there's a lot of that that goes into your book and is presented in such a way that is fun to consume it just flows out naturally so it's like the children are they're getting an education without knowing they're getting an education and they're developing their neural networks they're learning things that will bolster their heart and stimulate the belief in themselves and the trust in other people and how to trust other people without being taught anything and children learn more from stories than when they're given a lecture by their parents or told to do this or told to do that but if you build things within a story the children absorb it they relate to the characters they relate to the imagination and so they just naturally get it it's like we were meant to learn this way almost. Oh, yes, <laughs> we are. <laughs> not like not like I was schooled in military school. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, this like the school system is boring. I mean, it's nothing as stimulating as your stories or like we're meant to learn through experiences, through feeling, through, yeah, experiences and feeling. That's how we learn emotion and repetition. Yeah, my, my, my daughter, you know, my daughter, when she was four years old, we we're on a long road trip, you know, like an eight hour drive and maybe about three hours in I stop at a rest stop. And the minute she gets out of the car, she bends mm. down to the asphalt and starts scraping something off of the asphalt and not not being really attentive I'm, I'm really attentive to my daughter but not very spiritually oriented or anything at that point in time and you know i literally just said melanie do not you know get up don't scrape that off the asphalt <laughs> you know these little eyes look up at me and she says daddy expect me to learn what things are if i can't touch and feel them i'll wash my hands in the bathroom <laughs> and i'm just like stunned it's like okay <laughs> I mean, yes, okay. <laughs> such wisdom at her age, such awareness and wisdom. Like this is how we learn, hands on. Yeah, she she roped she roped me in many times. We were driving home from preschool one day and I said, Melanie, you're so beautiful. And she didn't say anything to me. <laughs> she, there was no response. So I I it was like she was roping me in or using a fishing line. So I said, Well, do you think you're beautiful because daddy's beautiful? No response. Do you think you're beautiful because mommy's beautiful? No response. Do you think you're beautiful because mommy and daddy are beautiful and you come from mommy and daddy? And she just she then she just said, Daddy, all people are beautiful. <laughs> ah, this brings me so much joy and hope. Yeah, so it's you know, it's like you said earlier, where unless our parents were hooked on something when we were in the womb, you know, it's like every child comes out so innocent and so aware and so open to the energies of where they just came from and I mean, they're the closest from source. Yes, and and just 
so like a sponge, just soak up everything and feel everything and know all of the vibrations. And they're just in that one vibration of universal flow. And, and then we society goes about their trick of uh, disconnecting that. And so the, uh, the, real, the, real, the real magic is keeping children connected to that original magic and helping the adults that have lost connection refine that connection to their original magic in whatever way their personalities can handle that. First of all, have you seen improvement in children-parent relationships after consuming your books or your programs or your work? Have you seen people coming together, understanding of each other? Yeah, it's more from the adult learning to understand the child's viewpoint. You know, it's like the, ch the child's just there. But yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the stories help the adults because my, my daughter liked some stories read over and over and over again. And they were usually the stories that I didn't like, but something, some, <laughs> something inside me said, okay, she likes it. I'm just going to keep reading it. And you know, Joseph, who I mentioned earlier, said that a child likes to hear a story over and over and over again, because they're in training the whole story and they're putting the whole thing together. So it's actually developing their neural network and their ability to put things together is why they're asking to hear the whole story over and over again. There's so many behavior we often complain about or dislike in children when in fact it's for their greatest good. And I'd like you to speak on that. How can we maintain the flame in children? And also, why is creativity so important if we want to have a fulfilled life, successful life, whatever that means to people listening? Well, creativity is important because it's everything's being created new in every moment. We, we are creators, you know, it's like we are that divine image of God, the master creator, and we all have our own gifts and our own way of creating love and joy and peace and bliss in our lives and in somebody else's life. And, you know, no matter how simple mm. that is, if it's just a smile to somebody, you know, we all have gifts to offer to somebody and, you know, keeping that creativity alive, it does keep us young. Like even giving a smile to someone that's being in alignment with our truth, with source, because source is loving. So I think by taking care of our own flame, our own creativity, we also inspire people to do the same from this ripple effect. You re-triggered what I was going to say, you know, it's that, that flame that's alive inside of us, you know, this human body is the temple for that flame to burn in. So learning to take care of this temple and again, not conditioned by what society tells us to eat, what society tells us to drink, when to go to bed, what to do when, but to know that there are universal principles that this body thrives on and learning to breathe. They're just reopening to the natural breath, fans that flame, that fans the flame of love. It fans the flame of inspiration, eating light foods, you know, we're electrical beings. And so the more we can charge this body and learn <laughs> like a car, you know, it, you put gas in a car, a car will run. You put oil in the gas tank, it doesn't run. And so many of us put oil in our <laughs> gas <laughs> oil in our gas tank when it's meant to be burning something else. And so it kind of dampens that flame. So learning to do the things that keep that flame stimulated, like sacred company and eating the right foods and doing the right exercises that really stimulate that flame. You know, it's, 
it's important to live in that harmony and balance of our body, our mind, our soul, and our emotions. And a lot of my children's stories blend all of that together. And everything I've been doing with people for the last 40 years is to harmonize and get people to experience their full potential in all ways. Beautifully said. I think this is a beautiful way to wrap this conversation up and everything that you do. And it is indeed true. This body, it's a vessel. It's a container. It's not who we are essentially. It's maintaining. It's protecting who we are essentially. So we get to protect this temple, protect our body, our temple, our vessel. As you said, nourish it, nurture it physically, emotionally, energetically, all of it. Timothy, it was lovely to have you today. Do you have any last words for the listeners? And then maybe you can let them know where and how they can find you and work with you. Last words are just keep tuning into your heart. Learn how to tune into your heart. And for any age, I actually just developed a um, free webinar which is three magic wands for more creative, happier, and spiritually connected children. And in that, I actually lead the listener, the adults, through an exercise of learning how to listen to their heart and knowing that the choices they make, their heart knows the right answer for those choices. And I also have a website, timothystutz.com. And in the menu, there's a freebie section that has meditations for adults, and there's some free fairy tales and songs for children, some Qigong exercises for the whole family, that, that webinars there. So lots, lots of things that can get people not only started, but can also take people who are experienced on many levels, you know, even deep into their own path. Yes, and maybe join families together, stimulate the children, get them off their iPads. Exactly. Or <laughs> keep them on the iPad, but on something else. <laughs> yes. All right, everybody. This was Timothy Stutz, an amazing, joyful, charming soul. Uh, all of his links are going to be in the show notes. And I will see you guys next week for the next episode of the Billboard Podcast. Bye, guys. Uh, thank you, Antoine. Bye, everyone. All right, gorgeous soul. Thank you so, so much for listening to another episode of the Billboard Podcast. If you find value in this episode, please go ahead and leave the show a five-star review. Not only does it allow me to keep doing my thing, but it also brings the show to more people. And if you've learned something, why don't you take your contribution one step further by sharing the episode to a friend? I remember in my own personal growth journey, I just loved when people would send me an episode that they thought was resourceful. So why don't you be that friend? Share the love, share the message, and send this episode to a friend. I thank you in advance. I'm so grateful that you're here. And now, if you'd like to, let's hop right into another episode of the Billboard Podcast.